Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Classics and good classics. I'm Derek. Um, so in the last episode, uh, we read uh, the latest chapter, which was chapter 17 of The Coldest Winter Ever, where Winter found out that uh, Bullet, the guy she didn't like till he had money, and then she only liked his money, but he was sexy too, but he was even sexier with money, but he didn't have a car, so she wasn't fucking with him, but then he got a car, so now she was fucking with him, and then he came out and rescued her from a bus station and flew them out to Key West, like, I guess he already had that shit planned out, because he was like, I'm gonna call you when I'm ready, and he was ready when he called her, yeah, that bullet, bullet set her dad up, like, bullet is the reason why her dad, uh, pretty much lost everything, um, Bullet and his gang, which we don't know the name of him because he gave him a pseudonym, but they the reason. Someone asked a question. Someone asked a question. Why Santiago in jail? Why Santiago in jail? Well, we guess it was Little Bullet. Winter was like, well, like as soon as she saw the money, she was like, he talked nice to me though. I was mad for a second, but then he gave me compliments, like six minutes worth. Like, ugh. Can you see that? Six minutes worth of compliments. Just, you fucked over my dad. It's okay. Big dick. Eats pussy. Lets me spend money the way I want to. You can do whatever you want. And all signs point to this nigga being an abusive piece of shit. At the end, he was already saying, yo, if you do anything, I'm going to fuck you up. Also, he's selling crack to her mom, and she should have felt some way about that, but since she decided in her head a long time ago that her whole family was dead, you know, I guess she didn't feel any sort of way when he was like, um, well, first of all, he was like, don't go to the door, don't touch the door, and then he left, and she wasn't going to the door until somebody knocked on the door, and then she went to the door, so really she wasn't going to the door because nobody had knocked yet. She was proud of herself she didn't rob him. Like, he had boxes of ones, ones, tens, twenties, fifties, and hundreds. She was proud of herself that she didn't take any money out. She just took it out and looked at it because his money is her money now, she thinks. But then her mom comes knocking and scratching at the door and screeching. So she looks out the door and she sees her mom's scar. And that's when she knows it's her mom. And her mom is like, I need crack. And Bullet is like, yo, did you go to the door? And she's like, no. So he's like, good. Give this crack to that crack fiend out there. So she gives it to the crack fiend knowing it's her mom. And that's when her soul went all the way south, I guess. That's how it's supposed to be ending off. But, you know. If you have thoughts, 
633-1537. You can also send a DM uh, to Ratchet Book Club, which is a Twitter name. Uh, we are at wretchedandratchet at gmail.com. Um, and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to the show at. With that said, here's chapter 18. The next day I was perched in the window of Bullet's sixth-floor apartment. It was as though I was sitting on top of the hood. I could see everyone as I peeked through the blanket he used for curtains. But no one could see me. Bullet got out early that morning. He left me the keys for the house, but I didn't know why he bothered. I wasn't going anywhere until he got back. Bullet shot through the door when darkness fell. I was so vexed there was no reason to speak. Not to mention that with nothing in his refrigerator, I was starving. Ignoring my attitude, he glided across the floor, slapped me on the ass, and said, Hey, I got something for you. When I didn't respond, he threw the money on the bed. Wrapped in rubber bands, there were three stacks of bills. Two of the thickest stacks were all hundreds. One of the stacks was all fifties. Picking up each stack individually and flicking them from the top bill down to the bottom bill, I arrived in an estimate the way Daddy taught me to do. I figured there was about $20,000 here. Where in the fuck did you get this? I asked, knowing full well that no crackheads were walking around with large bills. I'm a businessman, baby. I told you I make moves. Leather sofas and colored TVs cost money. He smiled so sweet I forgave him instantly. Sensing he broke through my wall of anger, he jumped on top of me and started kissing me all over my face. Yeah. I know how to make it hot for you, his rough, conceited ass said, and I loved it. After I got all excited about the loot, I noticed he packed it all away as if he had never thrown it at me. First thing the next morning, his man pulled Bullet's legs around the corner. Handing Bullet his keys, he was so busy staring at me in my fine winter wool Benetton mini dress and matching jacket that he missed Bullet's hand and dropped his keys in the street. As he bent down to get him, Bullet slapped him in the head on the way up. The next man, Bones, who was in the passenger seat, laughed that he got chumped. But Bones was staring at me too. I peeped that. We rode into the city in bumper-to-bumper traffic. I convinced Bullet that it would be easier for him to let me get the newspaper from the stand and travel to the apartments for rent by train. He paused before he agreed and looked in my eyes like he expected to find something. He handed me a stack of dough, and then snatched it back before my fingers closed. Just beat me when you find something. I'll meet you with the money. Yeah, I said dryly. This nigga just can't relax. It was almost 6 p.m. when I found a place. Instead of overlooking the river, it overlooked the FDR highway that was beside the river. It was located on the east side, in the 30s block. There was a doorman, but no butler. The place was spacious, with large windows. I knew I could free the layout with all kinds of designs. The important factor was that the greedy man renting the apartment was easy to work with. He was the first landlord I met who understood to mind his business. He wanted cash. I wanted the keys. I figured he needed the loot to feed a nasty cocaine habit. He sniffed all the way through a 12-minute interview. Besides, the tip of his nostril was eaten away from the drug. I had seen that effect before. 
Now, when he started babbling about how I could pick up the keys next week, he had to have the apartment cleaned. I threw him another $300 to get the keys on the spot. He grimaced when I told him I needed one hour for my boyfriend to bring me all the dough. I don't know if he was mad that he had to wait 60 minutes or mad that I had a man. Magazines are spread all over the living room floor in the big, empty apartment. I took my time reviewing each magazine design ad. Selecting an item from each ad I admired, I pieced together a collage of a one-bedroom apartment that was perfect for me. Bullet, who was out concentrating on what he described as the biggest move of his lifetime, had agreed that whatever I wanted was good for him. His only request was that I leave the huge walk-in closet for his private use. Initially, I was cool with the amount of time he spent away from home. Decorating was taking up all my energy anyhow. But Bullet was slowing down my decorating with his lack of trust. Every time I wanted to purchase something, I had to wait for him to have free time to go with me to each store so he could pay the cashier directly. It was clear to me that he wasn't going to let my hands fill no dough. Half the time I had to go to each individual store to locate whatever item I wanted. I'd keep the items on a shopping list. At the miraculous moment when Bullet had a few hours available, we'd pick up each thing I wanted one by one. I tried having pieces of furniture delivered. I even had to schedule that around Bullet, who didn't want no delivery man sliding around my crib when I'm not home. He even conveniently struck up a relationship with the doorman, passing him 20s and 50s for whatever favor he needed. After a while, I started to think one of the doorman's assignments was to watch me come and go. I figured it would only be a matter of time before Bullet would see that I was down for whatever. Not only could I decorate the joint and order up delicious dinners for two, but I'm a businesswoman who should easily be at least half of the team. But I was swift. Daddy taught me how to think my way through and work around certain people to achieve the same results. The first thing I did was lease the apartment in my name. He handed the money to the designated person at each transaction, but I signed off every time. As soon as we moved in, I filled out all my credit card applications and mailed them away. One day soon, I'd get one or two cards in the mail and use them to walk out the store with whatever I selected. If Bullet took too long to include me in his business plans or left me at home with too much time to think, I could easily see myself cooking up my own little hustle. He must have been reading my mind. More than a month had passed. I completed my decorating project and had the place looking picture perfect. No one could front. Our spot was fatter than the designs in the magazine ads. Not only was everything top quality, it was elegant, a smart use of the space, and had flavor and attitude. I was just sitting on the white leather sofa listening to a little Mary J. Blige when his key slid in the front door earlier than usual. Busting in with speed and urgency, he picked me up and spun me around. What's got you all gassed up? I quipped. I'm almost there. Everything is good. Trust me. With my face close to his face, I responded, Should I trust you like you trust me? He busted a smile. Huh. Smart tongue. Get dressed. We're going to a party. He flung open my closet and said, It's a triple date. You gotta look your best. Here. He flung a box onto the sofa. Excited like I used to be when I was just a little girl. 
I ripped open the wrapping paper and pulled out a brand new diamond bezel lady Rolex. I started jumping up and down until I pounced right on top of him. Thank you, Daddy. What'd you call me? He asked, looking at me with surprise. I said, thanks, baby. This is the shit right here. The dinner spot was a meetup point. After all, we agreed not to bring anybody from the old neighborhood to our new apartment. That meant nobody can know where we rest, which is how it should be. The spot was called Houston's. Dimly lit, it was a restaurant on the down low. As we sat parked outside the place, a black Benz pulled up beside us and a blue Lamborghini Jeep behind that. As I watched through a rearview mirror, I asked Bullet, Are there girlfriends anybody I know? I doubt it, he responded. You know what to do. Don't talk too much. Is this business or pleasure? I asked, sensing something. For you, it's all pleasure. They were already seated when we stepped up. We slid into the big semicircle booth and Bullet introduced everyone. Right away, a bottle of Cristal was brought to the table. I was kind of happy to meet Tiffany and Iris. It had been a long time since I kicked it with any female friends. I wasn't under the illusion that we were girls or anything, but it was important to me to hang with females who had their own loot so I wouldn't have to deal with no jealousy and funny business. It was obvious that at least for tonight they were rolling with two fat cats as well. When the order was placed, all three of the men politely excused themselves and left the table. We were left looking at each other. It seemed like nobody wanted to say nothing. So I'm the party starter, I thought to myself. So where are y'all from? I'm from D.C., Tiffany said. Me? I'm from Virginia, Iris said. The way Iris hesitated, I assumed she was lying. What about you? Tiffany asked me. I'm from Long Island. Lifting the bottle, I said, Well, we might as well drink this. They bought it for us. We sat there and drank the whole bottle together. Then everything loosened up. I like that dress, girl. Where'd you get it? That shit is banging, Iris said to me. I knew for sure she was from out of town because if she was from Brooklyn, she would have never gave the compliment. Moreover, she definitely wouldn't have played herself by asking where'd I get it from. Thanks. How many pieces you got in your head? What? I asked. Your hair. Oh, this is all me, I said, gesturing by pulling my hair. They both started laughing. Yeah, we all use that same line. It looks nice, though. Which one of y'all was riding that Lamborghini, I asked. Me, Tiffany said. Is that shit comfortable? It's a lot of space in there to do whatever you want to do. It's like an army truck. Roland told me if someone was shooting at us, the bullets couldn't even get inside. That's bullshit, Iris said. When the food came, Iris pushed her plate away. I already ate. I'm not hungry. Tiffany dipped two fries in the ketchup and said, That's it for me. Searching through her oversized MCM pocketbook, she finally found her lipstick. Let's go to the bathroom. I moved to let them out. Then I continued to sit there. Tiffany called to me and gestured, Come on, 
I looked around the restaurant. I saw Bullet standing in between the bar and the window, talking. He saw me looking, but didn't say anything. I guess it'll be alright, I thought. So I got up and went with him. Iris, your titties are coming out of that bra. Tiffany helped her adjust the straps. Everybody was touching up their hair, looking in the bathroom mirror. Iris was smoking a cigarette. Then Tiffany picked up my pocketbook. I noticed she left her bag on the sink. Tiffany, you got the wrong bag, I told her. But she kept walking towards the door. That's your bag right there, Iris said to me, pointing to the MCM bag. What the fuck? I rushed Tiffany, grabbing my bag by the strap. Iris pulled out a nine and pointed it directly at me. Both the wind and the words left my mouth. I couldn't talk. Take that bag. It's for your man. Don't blow it. Somebody should have put you up on it in advance. They bounced. In the bag, I found several guns and a small bag of coke. I'm not dumb, so I caught on. I tore a small hole in the bag and tasted it. It was a real thing. I closed it up and stepped out. When I walked out, Bullet, Bryce, and Roland were seated at the table laughing and talking like they were best friends. They had started to eat their food, each of them. Tiffany and Iris had slid themselves back into the booth. Bryce said, Ladies, is everything okay? My eyes shot over to Bullet. Our eyes locked on to one another. He nodded slightly. It's all good, baby. Sit down. Now I'm thinking, no, it's not all good. This fucking bag don't match my dress. Nobody in Brooklyn rocks MCM anymore. Somebody need to tell these down south hoes that. I wanted to be in on the business, but I didn't like being the only one who didn't know what the fuck was going on. We continued to sit casually for five more minutes. Money on the table, a tip to the waiter, phony hugs and kisses, and we was out. When we got outside in the cool, crisp air, I thought I saw the feds milling around across the street. I recognized their whole style from the takeover of my house. Now that I understood what was going on, I could view the whole entire scenario clearly. With his arm draped around me, Bullet kissed my cheek and whispered in my ear, Drive the car home. Put the bag into the closet. He gave me a deep tongue kiss, like natural, while passing his keys into my hand. I walked to the car with no sign of strangeness. I started it up and pulled out slowly. When I waved goodbye, Bullet was standing talking to Bryce and Roland. The feds were focused on the men. I slipped right by. An hour later, Bullet walked in all smiles with his arms extended wide. Sexy, you did it. Without raising up from the couch where I was seated, fully dressed with my shoes kicked off in front of me, I said, I thought we were going to a party. He picked up his keys. By now he was inside the walk-in closet, checking behind me as usual. Three minutes later he came out with work tools in his hand. He talked to me while he put a new lock on the walk-in closet door. We are going to a party. Give me five minutes. Oh, you ain't gonna say nothing, nigga? Nothing about what? That little scene an hour ago. You said you wanted to be in. Now you're in. Why didn't you put me up on what was going down?
tells the key to success to be natural. Everything was easy. Nobody acting strange or unusual. Them fucking feds can smell you when you're nervous. He didn't want to talk about it in the crib. He didn't want to talk about it in the car either. We picked up this man and another man named Moose. We rode to the club with the music blasting. Real love. I'm searching for a real love. Mary J. Blige. I love that old record. We pulled around the back of the club. His man switched into the driver's seat, and me, Bullet, and Moose walked through the back door straight into the VIP section. Whose party is this? I asked. But I was drowned out by the music, noise, and excitement that surrounded us. Everybody in the place knew Bullet. It wasn't like cats were excited to see him. It was a respect thing. They acknowledged him quietly, and a few words were said in low tones, and they gave him pounds and hugs. But nobody got in his way or asked for his VIP pass or identification or shit like that. Moose had Bullet's back so close, you'd think them niggas was joined at the hip. When Bullet wasn't giving somebody a pound, his hand could be found right in my waist, resting lightly on the top of my ass. We found a small table in the corner in the dark. After ordering drinks, Bullet relaxed a little and began to talk to me the way he felt comfortable. In a crowded room, with the music at the high point and Moose with his back to him facing the crowd like a gigantic black stop sign. Winter, you did good. I knew you could. I've been checking your flow. I like the way you think. The way you move. So what does that mean? What do you mean, what does that mean? I'm giving you a fucking compliment. How much was it worth? How much was what worth? The guns and the powder. What? A quarter of a million? A half? You see? You're getting ahead of yourself now. I did the setup tonight for you. To get you accustomed to shit. I could have just pulled it off without you. I've done it plenty of times. You think you can just walk in this cold? You can't. They'll see you coming like a neon purple light bulb. You gotta work your way into this shit slowly. You gotta feel everybody you're dealing with. You gotta feel yourself. It could be the littlest shit that gives you away. An itch on your nose, or tapping your feet and fingers too much, or the way your eyes move. If you do this shit enough, then you can give the appearance of looking comfortable, at ease. Then you're a natural at it. Instead of looking, smelling, and walking like a suspect. I ain't new to this, Bullet. I said with mad attitude. You wasn't a player on your father's team, Winter. You think street smarts is inherited. He laughed. Just when I opened my mouth to say something back, Moose turned and tapped Bullet. His attention was drawn away. Now I was waiting for him to finish talking to some dude. I was thinking at the same time that I just wanted to get my hands on some loot. Not for no specific reason, except I didn't like him keeping me with no more than $20 in my pocket and a few train tokens. I wasn't asking for a cut of his product or profit. Just a few hundred dollars. Maybe a thousand in my pocket so I could feel good. Alright, Bullet. I'm willing to work my way in. I ain't no slouch or nothing, I reassured him. Oh, 
For a minute, I thought you was unhappy. Don't your man get you everything you need? Don't I keep your hands heavy? He asked, pointing at my new Rolex. Don't I keep the roof of your choice over your head? Name one thing you wanted that I didn't get for you. My father's address, I said softly. Damn, Winter. What you need? What the fuck you need that I didn't get for you? What do you want? I'll get it for you. It was that second I wised up. I would never mention Santiago the Bullet again. For some reason that I wasn't getting, it was like asking about daddy was an insult to him. Now I would get to my father on my own. I wasn't trading my own smarts for bullets. I could find my pops to stay on point with bullet. I watched for an opening to pull it off. But this was exactly why I needed some cash flow. The wackest thing about celebrity parties is that you're locked in a VIP section where nobody dances. The live party goes on outside the VIP room. But Bullet had business in there. I should have known this wasn't no fucking date we was on. By the time we were leaving, I felt stressed. Usually when I'm partying, I ain't feeling no pain. It was going out the back door that shit went crazy. I was walking close but slightly in front of Bullet. Bullet was directly in front of Moose, who had his back. Some fool came walking up to me. Within seconds, I recognized him as a bodyguard who drove me home from G.S.'s mansion. What up, Sasha? He was directly in front of me, so I stopped walking. Besides, he was about six foot two, much taller than me, and built. Do I know you? I said in a cold, flat voice. I played it off. Bullet, who was only six feet tall, put his hand on the cat and pushed him out of my way. You got the wrong girl, nigga. Move on. Sasha, he said again, feeling himself in Tess and Bullet. You don't remember me from G.S.'s? My fucking name ain't Sasha. I tried to cut him with my words. Money, I told you, move on, Bullet said with death in his eyes. Bullet's leather jacket swung open, revealing his arsenal. Moose stepped in and said, here, let me talk to you a minute, pulling the bodyguard to the side. Meanwhile, Bullet's man pulled up. Me and Bullet got in the car. Bullet gave his man the order. He parked on the opposite curb at the back entrance. I asked, what are we waiting for? Bullet, still heated, didn't answer. Bullet got out the car and signaled somebody. Next thing I know, he's outside talking to GS. Through the tinted windows, I'm watching. Bullet's back was to me. I could see directly into GS's face. It didn't look like an argument. It just looked like a friendly, casual conversation. Then Bullet's knuckles were knocking on the window. I pushed the button. The window came down. Winter! Slowly, I stuck my head out the window. I want you to meet my man, G.S. Without smiling or nothing, I said, Nice to meet you, and pulled my head back inside. I heard Bullet say, Yeah, that's my girl. 
you never seen it before, have you? Nah, never, man, G.S. replied. I sighed relief. I don't know why G.S. covered for me, or maybe he was just protecting his own ass. There was no way he had forgotten me. I knew then that Bullet was the man. He wasn't taking no shorts, and I got to dig him for that. Moose never got back in the car that night. We dropped Bullet's man and went home. Focusing on food was never my thing. As I listened to my stomach growl the next morning, I felt the desire to eat. As I held the refrigerator door open, I couldn't decide on what I wanted. My hunger turned to nausea. My nausea turned to vomit. After hurling in the toilet, I laid on the bed staring at the ceiling with a nasty taste in my mouth. Seven minutes of silence, and then panic kicked in. Immediately, I began pacing the bedroom floor. I ran into the kitchen to pull out the calendar the Chinese takeout guy slid under the door. Frantically, I tried to remember the date of my last period. The problem was, the numbers on the calendar didn't mean nothing to me. I couldn't even match certain incidents with corresponding dates. When I actually thought about it harder, I tried to remember the last time I bought tampons. The Shay's face popped into my head. I remember charging her $2 for one back at the house of success. But I blacked all that bullshit out. In jeans, with a pajama top on under my jacket, I walked to the closest pharmacy and purchased a pregnancy test. Back in the bathroom, I zoomed through the directions. Placing the small cup underneath myself, I pissed on my fingers while trying to hold it. Then I pissed on the toilet. Then I pissed on the floor. Therefore, my little cup only had a droplet of piss in it. I turned on the water faucet to make myself able to pee again. I waited a half hour and finally was able to deliver a half a cup. While I waited on the little plus or minus sign to show up, I smoked a joint to calm my nerves. Three minutes of doomsday. It turned out positive. I was pregnant. The only thing to do now was to get rid of it. After a short while, I remember hearing an abortion jingle on the radio. I couldn't recall exactly how the commercial went, but I knew if I tuned in, within minutes the ad would come on. When I called, they gave me the direction to the nearest clinic. A quick shower and I was dressing on my way. It was a cloudy morning. Girls were jammed like sardines into the clinic. As I surveyed the room, it wasn't hard to figure the girls whose stomachs weren't poking out yet were sure to abort after looking at the obviously pregnant idiots who decided to keep their babies. One big pregnant girl had dark purple circles underneath her eyes. I saw stretch marks on knees, arms, titty tops, and even an elbow. Some girls were balding from their condition. I even saw swollen hands, noses, and feet. One girl's ankles were so fat it looked like elephantitis. She had her big tree trunk legs propped up on not one, but two chairs. Meanwhile, others didn't even have nowhere to sit. Now I'm steady counting who came in first, next, and next, and so on. I wanted to get this over with before Bullet came home that night. The girl seated next to me leaned over to ask, Are you nervous? Nah, I said, keeping it brief not one to invite her in the conversation. Then why are you shaking your foot like that and bumping against my chair? 
As I checked myself, I realized I was tapping my foot. I got control of it immediately. I was nervous the first time I got an abortion. It turned out it didn't hurt though. It was like one, two, three, over. The girl was still talking. I didn't say nothing in response to her. But I was glad to hear once again that having an abortion didn't hurt. Back in the day, my girls told me the same thing. Yep. I couldn't believe this girl was going to keep on going in the conversation without any participation from me. This is my fifth one. I can't really get in the creams. That shit makes me itch. Then pills make me sick. Can't feel shit with a condom. It's easier this way. It works pretty good, too. I only get knocked about once a year. Yeah, but it must be expensive, I said, allowing her to pull me in. Girl, she went into her pocket and pulled out a Medicaid card. I got an abortion credit card. In the examination room, the doctor grilled me. Do you have a private physician? No. When was the last time you had a gynecological exam? This is my first time. Why? Do you have a problem with that? I'm asking the questions, young lady. The Indian doctor with the dots said, like I was a lowly soldier in their army. When was your last period? I don't remember. Try to remember. I can't remember. When it was all said and done, I was three months pregnant or more. What do you want to do? They said with a sickening look of concern. I want to get rid of it right now. Give me the abortion. Pulling the rubber gloves off their hands, one finger at a time. They said, not so fast. Have you given this any thought? There are options to consider. Look, on your commercials you said, it's a lady's choice. You do abortions? Now get it out. The doctor got up from the chair with the wheels on it. They went to the counter with their back towards me. I'm like, this motherfucker's crazy. They act like this is personal or something. See the nurse on the way out. She'll give me an appointment for your termination. If you wait too long, this can get real messy. What's wrong with now? I asked him. There's another doctor who performs the procedure. You'll have to schedule with the nurse now. I went right away to the nurse. It only took me two minutes to talk and to convince her that I need to be scheduled to abort tomorrow. You wouldn't want to be responsible for pushing me over the three-month line now, would you? I challenged her. Back in the apartment, I was seated at the kitchen table. Rapid picture frames flashed in my head. I traced the baby back to Boone. It was either him or G.S.'s asshole bodyguard. I wished it was bullets. I knew it wasn't because I was too far along. I remember the first time me and him fucked because it was on my birthday. Images merged as I made comparisons in my mind. Boom had silky hair. Bullet has naps in the Caesar cut. Boom was yellow. Bullet is brown. Boom has hazel eyes. Bullet has brown eyes. If it was Bullet's baby, he would marry me and give me the whole world, the whole nine yards. But it's Boom's or the other guy's. And there was no way to make sure. I couldn't front it off, so I get it scraped out tomorrow morning.
What you been doing all day? Bullet suspicious ass asked. Nothing. Did you go out? No. How come you didn't pick up the phone when I called? I was probably at the incinerator emptying the garbage. Why you didn't page me? You usually page me. I turned it around on him. I did page you, he said, staring dead in my eyes. I didn't get no beat. Then you must have been on the subway. That's the only way you didn't get my beat. I got up and pulled the page off to the side and said, Aw, oh, damn, I need a new battery. Bullet spent the rest of the night in the walk-in closet with the door closed and locked. The 11 a.m. train to the clinic was packed. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't thinking about what was going to happen. I mean, Bullet didn't come to bed before I went to sleep. Even though this gave me the opportunity to clip 300 from his coat, which he left draped over the chair, I was nervous. He didn't kiss me before he left. I didn't even hear him make a sound before he bounced. Would I be able to conceal the abortion without leaving a clue? These thoughts converted into new thoughts when my eyes caught the front of the New York Daily News. The man in the trench coat sitting right across me was reading the paper. He had it held up with both hands in front of his face. It wasn't the headline or big picture in front. It was a bold line typed across the top of the paper. Rap star's bodyguard found dead. My eyes locked in on the sentence. I read it over and over again. Immediately, I got up. I started walking slowly through the moving packed train car, looking left to right. I knew someone would have left the daily news on the train after being done with it. When the train paused for a stop, some people got out. That's when I got my hands on the paper. As I suspected, there was a face of the asshole from the other night. Tony, GS's bodyguard. It was a picture I guess came with his high school days. He looked younger, with a big, doofy smile. His full name was written underneath the photo. I never knew his last name was Creighton. Rap star GS lost friend and bodyguard, Tony Creighton, who was gunned down with three bullets to the head. Police don't know the time of the incident. The body was discovered yesterday afternoon in a vacant lot located on. Then they had the mother of the bodyguard saying he was such a good boy. He volunteered to feed the homeless on the holidays, blah, blah, blah. People are always talking shit like that after somebody dies. Everybody gets together and starts lying about how a motherfucker was all this and all that. He wasn't no saint when his ass was laying up in that bed pretending to be GS that night, so fuck him. I was only concerned about one thing myself. This abortion shit had to go smooth. I didn't want Bullet coming after me. I could get this behind me. It wasn't like I cheated on Bullet or nothing. This happened before him and me hooked up. But it didn't matter. I knew that. I just needed to get rid of it and give him no reason to suspect me of nothing. I mean, me and Bullet just clicked together. We were thick like that. Business and lovers. As soon as I got to the clinic, the nurse started asking me stupid questions. Did you come here alone? Yeah. Wow, you got a problem with that? Did you drive or take public transportation? Why? Answer the question, please, miss. 
I took the train. Okay, you'll need to take this pill. She handed me a big pill of one of those small white paper cups. The kind that are only good for one drink before they crumble. Once the procedure's completed, you'll probably feel disoriented. You can't drive a car. You really should have a companion with you in case you don't feel well and need assistance getting home. Is there anyone you can call to come and pick you up? Yeah. I got a ride coming for me. I lied. She would read my chart and then look back at me. Good. You're 18. You'll need to sign these papers. After they got my promise not to sue if they accidentally killed me on the operating table, I gave them the $300. The doctor came in. It was a man. He held my hand while somebody else gave me an injection. You may taste a salty solution in your mouth. It's okay. Then the machine roared. It sounded like a vacuum cleaner. What seemed like only minutes later, the machine stopped. In my head, I heard the voice of the girl from the waiting room yesterday. One, two, three, over. First, everybody left the room. The nurse came in and began stuffing big pads in my middle. The kind I would never choose to wear, like diapers or something. This to absorb the bleeding. If the heavy bleeding doesn't stop by tomorrow evening, call us immediately. But you should continue to have bloody spots. She handed me another pill in a paper cup. This to help stop infection. She handed me a small white envelope with six more pills in it. Take these three times a day for two days. Do not bathe. You can't engage in sexual activity for the next four weeks to avoid infection. You need time to heal. She left me alone in the small room. I was fine until I got down from the table to stand up. The stuff in the room was moving around like I was in space. It was hard for me to stand straight. I looked at my Rolex and the number started to float off the face. The nurse busted back in the room as I was crouched down trying to pull my pants up. Let me help you. Do you feel dizzy? Yes. This happens to some people. You don't need to worry, though. You'll need to lie down. Has someone arrived to pick you up? No. Just as I thought. She escorted me to a different room with a small basic bed. She helped me to lie down. Without notice, I slept. About two hours later, I felt a hand on my shoulder. You can go now. It should be okay. We need to use this bed for another patient right now. I felt much better. Everything was steady. I headed home. Tony dead. Niggas don't care. I mean, I don't. I should, I guess. I don't know, but... I mean... He assaulted somebody. I have no empathy for him whatsoever. I can't even build empathy. I can't even close my eyes and try and think of something I'd say about him. Nothing. Like, okay. He got what he got. Um, Winter wanted to be in the game. She got in the game. But she got in the game in the way that men tend to, it seems, put women in the game. At least in books and movies. Which is, they are unwitting 
unknowing. Um, take this person to the bathroom and they gonna switch it out. And she was the only person who didn't know. She almost blew it. And I mean, how how hard is it to tell her what's going on? I'm not even mad at her for being upset. It's like I could have gotten hurt. Something bad could have happened. I mean, it didn't, but it could have. But how hard is it to let her know, okay, this is what's happening today. This is what we're doing. I don't know. I like the chapter, I guess. Um, it was short. I'm still saying that this is probably how it's going to end up happening, too. She's probably going to leave out of here and not be able to have sex for four weeks. And Bullet's going to be like, I want sex. And when she's like, I don't want to have sex, I can't have sex, I don't feel good, he's going to start beating on her. That's probably what's going to happen. Anyhow, 916-633-1537, wretched and ratchet at gmail.com, uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, leave a five-star review. Thank y'all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. We'll holler at y'all later. Be good. Peace. Intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Go